Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are coming to you live from a couple of different places. We are live over on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. Or maybe you're listening to us later on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and wherever you're watching or listening, that is 100% cool, because it's the holidays, man. We're getting revved up for them. Uh, Treat yourself. You know what I'm, I'm talking revved. about? I'm revved. I'm <laughs> revved. That's the main thing people say about the holidays, is rev it up, right? Yeah, rev it up. That's uh, what is printed on my stocking. Mm-hmm. Had it uh, sewn right, embroidered on there. So, unfortunately, our third host, Pete, is off today. He's feeling very sick. He's under the weather. There's he's some... revving it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, to, not to spoil yesterday. anything, but there's there's some stuff going on on Riverdale, and it's he's dying of heartache is basically what's happening. Uh, we recorded a podcast earlier today, and Pete was barely alive. <laughs> oh, my it. God. We kept telling him, log off. You don't have to do this. He was like, oh, must podcast. I think he might have been having a fever podcast, which every third <laughs> podcast you should know is a Pete Fever podcast where uh-huh. he doesn't know what's happening. Right. He Most of the time he does it. know what's happening, but every third yes. podcast he doesn't. No idea. Yeah, that's the real trick. <laughs> Spot the ones where he does know what's happening. <laughs> now, another little item of business I'll mention at the top here. As usual, our comic book club chef, Brett Macris, has been curating drinks. Justin and I were both jerks. And didn't make it today. Sorry about that. I'm so but sorry. I, I've let you down. But I did want to bring it up. He came up with a lovely recipe for a hot toddy that was a collaboration with Nat Towson, a first-hand up guy. Some of the folks on the show may know him as that, uh, over in our Patreon Slack, patreon.com slash comic book club. I'm looking forward to making it. I just ran out of time to make it today for various reasons, mainly, you know, nursing Pete Bath to health. That was the main thing. Oh, was and we took, really took care of him on the podcast. You're going to love to hear how we nursed him. His couple of wet nurses right here. That's what we called. Yes. So I know. I was a little stressed. I have plumbers working in my basement right now it's a total chill holiday miracle oh man yeah this is uh pretty disturbing that you're not in that dark dag terrifying basement with shears in the background or anything that's why i'm not there because it's full of people with their pants just hanging on to their butt cracks Uh, all right, we are going to move on with our guests because we have two great guests for you. Also, I will mention, as Stray Bullet, a.k.a. Brett Macris, mentions here in the comments, uh, there's a great name and great recipe for this cocktail. So not to plug it too hard, but patreon.com slash comic book club, sign up. Uh, there's lots of amazing recipes and food advice that he drops there honestly, in the Slack. Honestly, it really is. Yeah, Brett is making it worth it for that alone, to be honest. Uh, Though there is comic book chat, and we've been talking about amping up for Spider-Man No Way Home and many other things. It's not all food, mostly food, but 
But the food is good. The food is very, very good. All right. We are going to invite our first guest in here. He is the creator or editor of a new book called Marvelous Verses that came out last month. It is an amalgamation of comic books and poetry. Jared Beloff, everybody. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. So excited to chat about this project. It's so... It's such an interesting uh, combination of things that you wouldn't expect, but feels pretty natural when you actually hear about it. Um, where did the idea first come from to come up with marvelous poems like this? It it was came up pretty organically. I uh, was reading poetry, and I was reading this issue of Sporklet a while ago, and read um, Todd Koneko's Elegy with Great Responsibility, mm-hmm. and I said, "This is amazing," and I sent it to my friend. Um, Derek Mainhart, who's in the chat. Hi, Derek. Um, yeah. And he's like, when are you going to start writing uh, comic book poems? And I was like, uh, when, when, whenever I can. And that yeah, was right like, now. I'm doing it now. Yeah, there was, that was a couple of years ago. And then uh, last summer, um, The Daily Drunk had a, an open mic. Daily Drunk is the magazine that, uh, an online magazine that uh, sponsored the book and um, helped publish it, and Sean Berman, who um, was hosting it, had um, a couple of people do an open mic in Brooklyn, which I attended. And um, there was a poem in there um, that was, let me find the exact title, Natasha Romanoff died because she had no kids or spouse. And it was such a fire poem, and I was like, oh my god. And then I w- went home, and I was reading um, a totally different book, um a journal and in the journal was a uh, a wolverine poem and i was like there are so many poems about this stuff that you know they should be collected we should do something with it even if i don't do what derek was saying to write my own i can maybe i can bring people together so i went to sean um and i said i want to do this thing i don't even know if this is the right way to pitch it to you can, would you would you want to do an anthology i'd seen he done he had done a couple anthologies uh, about other pop culture uh things one just came out about mall rats another one about the lord of the rings and i was like this sounds like the right place um right fit and uh sean has been awesome he just said yeah to everything and uh you know october 1st he said let's launch it Uh, we put out a call and people really responded i got over 100 submissions and just kind of pulled through them all and and picked out the ones that i thought worked really well together now, given that you got so many submissions, then you had to call them down. What are you looking for with something like that? Beyond basic craft and working as a poem, what is something that works right for this type of collection? Yeah, I was so it. it I had those core ones that I had seen. I, I knew that with Victoria's poem, I wanted to do a couple that were commentary on on the, either the movies or comics themselves. Um, I had seen that you know the Wolverine one was kind of like gesturing towards Wolverine and I knew that I wanted that poems could connect to it but don't have to be about it and then I I assumed people were going to try to do persona poems where they were going to kind of inhabit the character and do the voice as best they could and I uh, wanted to get some of those but what ended up happening the ones that I gravitated to for the most part were really um, poems that took the ideas that are swirling around in comics and took them as a vehicle for something else, something more personal. Like there's a great one about um, doing laundry as a dad watching WandaVision. And it's just, it's really about the dad and thinking about life. And 
Um, another one about uh, a dog. That one's about me. I think that one might be about me. <laughs> I, I read that poem and I was like, uh, I am seen. I feel like. Yeah. This I, so that one, I actually, it got published while I was putting out calls. It got published in another uh, magazine. And I, I contacted the, the writer, uh, Amarak Huey, and I said, can I have this poem? I need this poem. It's really great. And he's like, yeah, this is totally uh, awesome idea. And I, I got a, a few that way. And then everything else just kind of uh, came into place as I was, you know, just reading through submissions. And then on Twitter, I put out a call for like, you know, I don't have any about these people. I don't have any of these heroes. I don't have any of these villains. There was a point where there were no villains whatsoever. And I was like, this is lopsided. Something needs to change. And um, You need villain representation. Is what's yeah. Like, yeah. They and, need to and, see themselves there too. People deliver it. I expected a ton of Thor and uh, a ton of like Thanos. No one really wrote Thanos. No one wrote Thor. It was like people were avoiding the big heavy hitters of the recent mm. films. And it's so... surprising that they didn't do Thanos considering he's all into like snapping at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's... but that's the thing is you don't want that. If he snaps oh, right, too much, right, right. okay. people are going to go, uh, yeah. Um, I agree. Villain poems, uh, shout out to Pamela in the comments. Villain poems are so much fun. I feel like they have the more tortured uh, psyche that you would think um, would, uh, a poet could really key into. Yeah. They, um, what, what was cool was like they, there are some that are, are persona poems where you get a, a, an absolute villain voice. Um, and I could hear like, there's one that sounds like just like Ebony Maw giving like one of his grandiose speeches about how great villains are um, by Terry Lynn Davis. I love it. And um, you get a, a few, there's one Baron Zemo writing his own eulogy uh, or his wife's eulogy and getting angrier and angrier. Uh, and the poet Ray Ball did a uh, reading for us and it, it, you, you, she does a really great job of getting the seething quality of the villain um, in, in the voice of the poem. But then it switched to, um, I got a lot of X-Men poems, which I was really excited about because I hmm. assumed everybody was going to be writing about MCU and X-Men's kind of like older, um, at least in the film world. And um, people really delivered on that. And so it's set, the transition from the villains actually goes right into Magneto and Charles. And the Charles uh, poem is actually, you can't tell if it's a positive or negative. And we get a, a Cyclops poem that's like, uh, you know, I hate, it's a, a, a dear Cyclops, like, I, I don't, I'm leaving you. Um, name Jean Grey is leaving him, and uh, I don't want, want, want you anymore, and he's, you know, all sad about it. Um, I mean, X-Men seems like a pretty natural fit for poetry, even more than any other characters, because they're basically, all the other characters are doing super heroics. Most of the time, the X-Men are like, oh, I'm really bummed out. Yeah. I gotta talk about my feelings. A, I also think that the people fans have a more of an emotional connection mm -hmm. with those characters as well yeah i mean i think for a lot of people that were writing too there's a and for me reading it's a, a lot of nostalgia it's a nostalgia trip for like you know some of us were writing from directly out of the the cartoon from the 90s some of us were are, are thinking about the you know the hugh jackman series um and so I think there was a lot of like people going and reliving those awesome moments. 
um, in the reading. And it was, it's interesting because there's some people that are like clearly comic book people. And there's some people that are clearly like cinematic comic book um, people. And there's a, a nice mix of those, um, those voices in the, in the collection. Yeah. Um, Nat Towson in the comments says Ozymandias, maybe like an Ozymandias for like Pace Pot Pete. Um, <laughs> Not an this... Ozymandias for Ozymandias. I mean, that's a little an idea too. That's, I mean. that's a great idea. There's a, rom idea. a romantic uh, poet, uh, Percy Shelley wrote uh, Ozymandias poem. It's like probably one of the most famous uh, poems from the 19th century. It's about like loss. This guy had this giant uh, statue and all that's left is like the feet. Dust. How, I mean, you've touched on this a little bit already, but how, when you're doing something like this, I think it's very easy to look at the name and hear the concept and go, oh, this is a, this is a goof. You know, this is like, you're doing a bunch of parodies. This is a bunch of funny poems. How do you make sure you modulate that and hit that correctly where you're taking the poetry seriously? I, I think the poems really do represent it right away. Um, there were some, so that was one of the things I did when I was editing was I, I really wanted to go for a voice. I, I never really wanted it to be a sort of um, a jokey type of take on things. There were people that were really trying to, I got so many poems where people are sh uh, shipping uh, Bucky and Steve, just trying <laughs> to get it to, get it to so work. Funny. That's amazing. And, and I, I was like, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I, not, not what I want. And so uh, I really was looking for people and I'd already seen a few poems already doing it where they're taking it and really building it. And so um, building off of the, that work and putting together a flow between, so that it breaks up into to sections where it's like very serious about uh, family and fathers seems to be the, the main first section. And then it moves into commentary on the films and some miscellaneous stuff and then villains and X-Men. And it, it, each of them kind of i tried really hard to pair things together to speak to each other to build um thematically and i think the poems really do a great job of of you know sort of right from the beginning with uh what's it called um how we fly by joan glass is uh just a really great start that just kind of gets the whole whole ball rolling and anybody who's looking for for humor when they start will realize like oh this is not this is not the place there's there's some deep thinking going here I know that, I mean, we know very well because we're doing a live show that's being done virtually for the past two years at this point. Live shows are pretty hard to do at the current time, but has there been any thought of doing like a poetry slam based on superheroes? Because it almost feels like the battle there, a poetry battle feels like a natural fit, you know? Oh, that's such a fun idea where you could pair the battles between different heroes, uh, heroes and villains and, and do that on the screen. Around we, uh, just to pitch you an idea. We we'll had produce. a reading. We had a reading that's on YouTube, and uh, you know, just the people sharing what what made it into the anthology. And this sounds like a really great sequel, where we kind uh, of Justin got so mad he left. Yeah, he's like he stole the idea. He's going out <laughs> to produce it right now. Is what happened. But I I, I like that. I thought I like that idea. Um, you know, I have to talk to Sean and figure out how do we how do we work that because I think you know there's definitely. Uh, more to this project I, I feel like it, it I'm very proud of what was produced but I think there's there's always a wealth of uh, stuff out there to be put together just to check that uh, screaming child in the background that's Justin's even though he's not off video not yours or 
yeah, it's not my child. I, oh, okay. I, I locked the door. They're, they're away. All right. Also not my children. Just checking. So everybody knows what's going on. <laughs> Edward Doherty says, I thought it was Pete. Could be. Maybe. Possibly. Hopefully he's getting better. Um, where can people check this out? Because I know this is available on Amazon. Is it in bookstores as well yet? It, or? it, is, it is not in bookstores yet. Um, it is uh, primarily Amazon. If you just uh, if, if you go to Marvelous Verses, and it looks like it's backwards here. If you go to Marvelous Verses or you type my name, Jared Beloff, into the search, you'll find um, it's both um, a physical copy and a um, you can get it also on Kindle. Awesome. This is such a great project. Uh, I do hope that Poetry Slam idea that we just came up with works out because I would definitely watch that. And I'll, I'll uh, good luck know. with everything. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good night. All right. You too. Okay, there we go. I cut him off very quickly, but that's uh, Jared Belloff. The book is called Marvelous Verses, and as mentioned, you can get it on Amazon or other places. Um, why don't we move on with our And what day? I was going to say is, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, <great>. okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to go deal with a couple of things. No, that's fine. We could hear it in the background. So it's good, good, good. Yes, yeah, yeah, Pete doing okay? We decided that was Pete who was sobbing in the background. Yes, he's upset, but I just um, t- took his little Mountain Dew bottle and put it right back in his mouth. <laughs> I keep wanting to tell Pete, and uh, you know what he, you know, you've met Pete, right? Uh, I Page? haven't wanted, yeah, Pete LePage. I wanted to suggest to him as soon as he said he was sick, I wanted to text back and be like, hey, just warm up some Mountain Dew and put some lemon in it and you'll feel right mm, better. But yes. knowing him, I feel like he'd hate that idea. He might try it. Really, a th- coat throw. Throw mm-hmm. the coat. Coat the exactly. throw. All right. We are going to bring in our second guest here. Very excited to chat with her. Her name is Peggy Lee, and she is a jewelry designer with her own store online. But she has had pieces of her jewelry featured on so many different shows, including one of our favorite shows, Riverdale. Ladies and gentlemen, Peggy Lee. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. For hello. Having welcome. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm very excited to chat about this. Now, just to give people the lay of the land, you haven't just done uh, pieces that have had been featured on Riverdale. Uh, also, Titans, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, lots of other shows like that. So lots of geeky shows. Um, this started with mm-hmm. Buffy, though, right? Buffy was the first show that featured some pizza pieces. Or did I get that wrong? So how did you get that? Hook yeah, up? no, you're totally that? right. Yeah, Buffy Buffy kicked off everything for me. And um, the story is I was working as a writer down in Los Angeles and I wanted to be a screenwriter and that's why I was in LA. Um, and I was working as a writer at the time and I thought to myself, you know, Buffy was one of my favorite shows. I'd love to go get on set and meet people who make that show. And I loved the costumes. So I thought, hey, I'll interview the costume designer for my job. and got to meet her, uh, Cynthia Bergstrom. And I was also, you know, making jewelry for fun on the side for myself at the time. And after I did that interview, um, she was so great. Uh, I thought to myself, hey, I should just send her some of my pieces and ask her what she thinks and drop them in the mail, sent them off to her and forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And then a couple huh. of weeks later, I get a phone call from Cynthia and she's like, hey, Peggy, just thought that, you know, I gave your name to a reporter from USA Today and they're going to be calling you because we're using your stuff on the next season of Buffy. <laughs> what? That's, That's wild. crazy. It's so crazy yeah, it was- to move to move out to L.A. to do one thing and then get discovered literally like every artist's dream for something that you had not sort of anticipated. You know, and it and it connected me away to television, which I loved, and pop culture, which I love, um, in a way I never expected. 
And yeah. from that moment, you know, uh, USA Today called me up and they said, where can people get your stuff? And I said, a website and hung up the phone. And you just like, said a website? You should website. have given them. <laughs> wow. Right now. Great. You gave them a, a not, you just in the moment were like, well, oh, yeah. how about PeggyLee.com? Correct. <laughs> and I had nothing. And I turned to my coworkers. I'm like, I think I need to start a website right now. Amazing. So, well, uh, let's talk about this then, because obviously this is expanding quite a bit. Uh, we, if you're mm -hmm. watching the video version, you can see this. Obviously, if you're listening later, you can't, but you can go to PeggyLee.com, where you have all the stuff on the As Seen on TV version. I feel a little like we're on QVC right now. We're going to start to <laughs> right. go into some of I stuff. love, I've been wanting to break into that. But just while. because we're looking at this, so uh, talk us through this, because I think there's a question here of like, Oh, is it the sunlight amulet in the Angel and Buffy crossover? But it's not that necessarily. It's costume pieces that people are wearing. Correct, right? correct. So it's it's not sort of, although I've been asked to do some of those pieces in the past, you know, in the history, um, it's the stuff, it's part of their wardrobe. It's, it's what they're wearing as characters in their day-to-day. -day. And uh, a lot of the pieces at the time, it was like early 90s, uh, floating illusion chokers were a big thing. And I have to tell you, the fans are, of course, of Buffy are so incredible that they're the reason I, you know, 20 plus years later, I still have these pieces available wow. because wow. people are always asking me about it. And That's awesome. That's I, awesome. I, I can't, I can't remove them. And uh, at the time I was using a lot of vintage, um, vintage beads and vintage pendants. So there are quite a few pieces that are no longer, you know, it's just impossible for me to have. And, um, but the pieces I can recreate, I've sort of kept alive. Is there, I mean, I've watched every episode of Buffy, but it's been a while. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, not yeah. the biggest jewelry expert. Uh, but <laughs> what? was there, I know, I'm sorry, Justin, yeah. I'm letting you down here. But was there, was there something, an episode, maybe something was featured on in particular that people might know or might have noticed? Yeah, I think, you know, you have the screen up there, the, the, Upper left, the illusion choker necklace. Um, she wore Sarah Jessica. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Michelle Gellar um, wore that in blue and in pink. So she wore it in a couple different episodes. Oh, nice. What's the so, process? Uh, the fan might. What's the process like to do uh, design this jewelry for a television show? Like, um, uh, how do you yeah. get the assignment, and how do you work sort of from there into mm -hmm. the finished piece? Um, every show kind of works differently. And of course, when I got started, I knew nothing and I sort of relied on the costume designer to, to guide me through it. So Cynthia was so great. She just said, send everything you have. I want to see whatever you've got. And so I just literally sent her everything. Um, I've also worked with costume designers who will send me a brief of the characters. So mm -hmm. they'll do the character breakdowns and it'll be like, okay, this sister is the high powered lawyer. This sister is the Hoshik. And they'll say, you know, send stuff you think are appropriate for these different characters. I've also gotten really specific assignments from costume designers. Um, for example, for Pretty Little Liars, uh, I was asked to create, to send, you know, small gold earrings. And it turned out that that pair of earrings was going to be a clue that was going to be like close up on camera, which is always fun to get like a really specific request. Yeah. But everybody yeah. works differently. That's so awesome. Is there, uh, and again, I know like based on what you're saying, sometimes you are getting these specific assignments. Sometimes there's things that you're just sort of showing them pieces, but is there a show that you've 
uh, offered up pieces to that is more of a challenge than others for whatever reason? Uh, there was a current assignment that I'm not sure I can really talk about. Um, okay. It's a mm. sci-fi show yeah. set in space. <laughs> I think you'd all recognize what it is. And um, <laughs> the assignment was space pirates. So it's sort of outside of my personal genre, which is sort of, you know, contemporary everyday stuff. Um, but I'd worked with this costume designer before in the past. And again, you know, she's wonderful. And she usually brings me on board when she's got a new, new project. And she said, I've got this thing. Do you want to send pieces? And I was like, sure, I'd love to. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. And that's always fun because then I get to just sort of be really creative and, and go outside my box and uh, put together pieces. That's awesome. So you then you get space pirates and are you like, okay, well, let me learn about regular pirates uh, <laughs> and then try to space them up a little bit. Uh, she sent she sent character sketches that I had to sign an oh, NDA cool. that I would not Sure. Of course, I don't. I don't want you to to open anything <laughs> up. I just think it's such a to work outside of your uh, comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. Um, like this. That whenever I get something, I'm like, ah, I don't know anything about this. I'm like, where do I even start? Mm -hmm. Well, she she definitely sent like character sketches and concept sketches uh, to give me a feel for what they were looking for. Uh, now I have a question, and this is going to really break the illusion of TV for everybody. Uh, on your site, it says that you did pieces for The Bachelorette. So mm -hmm. they don't bring their own clothes and designs and get themselves dressed? People uh -oh. provide things to them? They probably get themselves the, dressed. <laughs> the the main star, so okay. the bachelorette or the bachelor, gets styled. The contestants mm. bring their own stuff. Oh, okay. All right. That's interesting. That's, that that's keeps the that illusion going. All that's right. Good. Thank yeah, God. Close. I can still enjoy the show. <laughs> Um, well, let's move over to what I've been uh, holding off on talking about because this is what I really want to talk about is Riverdale. Let's talk about that a little bit because you have a couple mm -hmm. of great pieces there. And this is the sort of thing versus Buffy, which I haven't watched in a while. Looking through this stuff on your site, I was like, uh, I've watched these episodes three times and they look so familiar, but I can't necessarily place them. Um, talk us through some of these pieces a little bit. Where yeah, do they I show mean up? I, w I will tell you, you know, I'm I'm a fan first. Um, mm. So I was a fan of Riverdale when it came out, and I was like, I want so so I want my jewelry on that show because I, I love Riverdale, I love the style. Um, but it's a show that's pretty minimally accessorized, I will say. So I, I'm not mad that you didn't necessarily notice what they were wearing jewelry wise. Um, mm. I think one of my favorites though is that uh, Lily Reinhardt as Betty. Uh, for a couple of episodes wore just a really subtle sort of small triangle charm necklace and you know it's just to me quintessential Betty style which is just very understated and very clean and simple um, I also love that uh, Mount Genamic wore uh, the turquoise horn necklace that you're scrolling by oh, and yeah. because mm -hmm. her character is just so amazing and of course I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan so that connection blew my mind um and that was really fun was that and created specifically for the show and for her or was it something that you had available no. that seemed to match the character it's what i had available and and in this case the costume designer uh rebecca uh sorensen kelstrup she she did selects on her own so she went to my website and then gave me a, a request list of what she wanted to see that's so exciting to have something just plucked out and have it really resonate with the designer and then the, eventually the character on screen. 
Yeah, it's super fun. And and for me, I don't know who's going to wear what. So it's it's also just a moment of discovery for me when the show airs of, of what happens. And, yeah. uh, you know, so to, to be on principal characters, like to have a piece worn by the character of Betty or Veronica is, is amazing. The suspension lariat thing looks familiar. It, was it Cheryl wore it? Uh, Hermione. Hermione. Ooh. Okay. I I feel like we could go through and Alex, guess each this one is of a these. game show you might lose. <laughs> every every single there. one. Yeah, we'll just go down all of these and I'll get every single one wrong. How about that? Uh, Justin, do you think Jughead? Did Jughead wear that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was Archie. Archie did the triangle cage earrings. I remember that very clearly. The um, Gargoyle it... King, I believe, wore that uh, triangle. <laughs> um, I mean, have... Yeah, Cheryl. Cheryl hasn't worn any of my stuff because her okay. style is so specific, and and I was able to, um, you know, chat with Rebecca, and of course, Cheryl's style is so distinct and unique, and she always wears vintage. She has her spider brooches, you know. That's that's her own, you know, part of her character. Who you also have these uh, this dove charm necklace and these dove charm earrings. Where were those mm-hmm. from? Those were worn by Polly. Oh, okay. So back sense. in back in Polly's innocent days i suppose (laughs) are you still providing pieces or given that they've done the time jump are they looking for something different at this point um i i did do a recent sort of drop of pieces for them but i haven't seen them air during this time jump so so we'll see how how they'll trickle out again i actually don't know in advance when pieces are used sometimes i do again every show's different but most of these shows, these crews work so hard and they're so busy. Um, yeah, they don't really have yeah. time to answer questions from people like me. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to ask you also about The Flash, since I think mm-hmm. I read on your site, uh, Candace Patton, who plays Iris West, she wore some of your pieces even Offset, right? Offset. Oh, um, that was working through a, a, style, a wardrobe stylist, so working as a stylist for Candace Patton, totally separate from having pieces on the flash. Oh, okay. Ah. Small world's coincidence. Cool. Yeah. It's still good. Yeah. Still, still fun. Is there a show? I mean, you said obviously that you're a fan of Riverdale, but is there a show that you still get particularly excited working on or excited offering pieces to? Um, Definitely Riverdale. There's going to be uh, the next season of Dead to Me, which uh, oh, I'm yeah. really excited for. That's a cool show. And, you know, the acting is so great. Uh, I really loved just getting my pieces on DC Titans. Mm-hmm. And the character of Barbara Gordon was so amazing and incredible. I, I loved it. Uh, every every time something appears, is exciting for me. Oh, yeah. sure. Now, just to talk about process, though, because we didn't really even touch on that, are you working out of a shop? How many people do you have working for you? Is it you solo? <laughs> what, what's the process like there? I'm solo. I'm still solo. a really small business. It's kind of a labor of love. I, I did it as a side hustle for a really long time. Um, went full time with it maybe six, seven years ago now. And um, and I think I just have always had this uh reliance on like having my stuff on tv that's sort of what i love to do and and that's been my focus and that's how people find my work most of the time what is the business like around now as we're heading into the holiday time does it get very busy for you 
Oh yeah, Christmas is, and the holidays are always a little crazy. Uh, things slow down around this time because I think everybody's been warned off about shipping delays and, and all that right. stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's not any worse or, or better than, oh, maybe a little worse than years previous, but things are still going pretty smoothly. So there's always a big holiday rush um, which is great. And, and I work out, I work out of my apartment. I have a separate studio space, but at, since I've worked out of my apartment for, you know, my home for so long, it's really hard to sort of like move it out. Yeah. Where, where can people expect to see your stuff next? Uh, I think I mentioned dead to me season two mm -hmm. oh, right. yeah. or three, wherever, whatever they're on their, their final season. Um, also on a show called Sweet Magnolias, mm -hmm. their upcoming oh, yeah. season. I should have some pieces on that. Uh, also a new show called Promised Land. I sent them a few pieces. Again, there's never a guarantee that anything will sort of like reach the screen, but um, there's also that sci-fi show. I'm, I'm not sure if I can talk about it. Yes. I love the idea of you gathering, gathering really close to your, your TV monitor and just like, like looking at everyone's uh, ears and necklaces. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure it'll be background characters, but trust me, I will freak out if, yeah. if it yes. appears in that universe. I will, I will die. Um, so that might be really exciting. What else have I been up to? Those, those are the ones. Oh, I'm working on, I'm working on a poll right now for a movie, which is really cool. Cool. Um, it'll be again. I don't know if I can talk about it. It's uh, it'll be the end, the end of a, a horror movie franchise, a final mm. installment of their latest wow. incarnation. You're plugged into all the big projects, it feels yeah. like. Yeah, a lot of you know, stuff. it's it's fun. I've been doing this for over twenty years, and um, costume designers have been so great for, to me. You know, they as they go from project to project, it's it's been awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and Peggy, we should probably mention you very kindly have offered up a $50 gift code to your store, PeggyLee.com. Uh, we're going to mm -hmm. give that away in our trivia section in a little bit to one lucky winner. Uh, but that's very cool. Thank yeah. you for offering that. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on here. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you. Definitely uh, check out the store. Yes, check out the store. Uh, and we uh, will be keeping our eyes open as well for stuff on all of those shows yeah thanks. thanks thanks peggy have a great night thanks peggy have a good one thanks. all right once again peggy lee you can check her out at peggylee.com she has a great easy to navigate section for as seen on tv and as mentioned there's stuff for the flash riverdale sweet magnolia's dead to me dc titans the bachelorette and even past stuff we didn't talk about this but arrow uh there's some stuff from elementary kim's convenience the vampire diaries very fun stuff very cool such a wide variety it's so cool and yes. i it's such a testament to the work and working with her that people keep working with her like that's Absolutely. the whole thing in exactly working in tv and everything that's so cool uh and again later on in the trivia section we'll be giving away in addition to our 25 dollar midtown gift card we'll also be giving away 50 dollars to peggy lee's store which she very kindly has donated which is very cool but we're going to move on to our real next... quick real oh, quick yeah. shout out uh derek mainhar in the comments this episode is so highbrow because we're doing poetry and jewelry. So, you know, Pete's not here. We're elevating a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's a little uh, bit of a more high-end show, you know? Yeah. If he's and not here next week, we're going to talk about 
Uh, we have our high-end scotch guest <laughs> is coming on. Our uh, cigar aficionados. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes, opera. opera. Absolutely. Definitely. We're going to we... recommend the best opera glasses for watching uh, superhero shows. <laughs> <laughs> for watching the superhero up. opera that we are no doubt writing right now. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath this facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the Cape Crusader in Batman, the audio adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City debuting exclusively on HBO Max, starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums. This rollicking adventure, told across 10 episodes, is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNichols, including devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossie and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Leguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villanueva, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com backslash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman The Audio Adventures only on HBO Max. All right, let's move on with our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience question. Yeah! And for audience questions, very straightforward, but all you got to do is drop something and ask a question over here on Crowdcast or in the comments section on YouTube or leave a question for us in the iTunes comments and we will read it here. Or if you got a request in the iTunes comments, you can also leave that there. Request for something for us to review. I'll mention this week on The Stack, we'll be reviewing a book that was requested from the iTunes comments, and I love getting them. It's very fun. It's great. Uh, and yeah. we lo- I love to hear what, what you, the listeners, are reading and loving and being able to sort of participate in, and discover something that we didn't even know about, maybe. I mean, obviously you knew about Swamp Thing, Volumes 1 and 2, but these two suckers over here are learning about it. <laughs> Uh, all right, here we go. Let's go into some questions. This is first one is from Stray Bullet. I just recently acquired a Funko Pop Batman as Ebenezer Scrooge. If this were the real thing, who would play Marley and the Three Goats? Goats, ghosts. <laughs> oh my God! In the Batman universe, the Ghost Goats. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I feel like Batcow would probably play one of the goats. I mean, I feel like in my life, I only have probably three goats that I really consider <laughs> close to me. That happened to you last Christmas, right? They said, tonight you'll be visited by three goats. Three and goats. you're like, all right, I learned nothing. Yeah. But they the ate all future, my socks and tin cans. The future goat's the one that's most disconcerting. Because I'm like, when am I going to be around a future goat? Yeah. Cyborg Marley goat. is Alfred, right? Like, there's no way around that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with the whole Christmas Carol, Marley's the guy that uh, that screw sort of screwed over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I guess it's sort of true. Alfred is the or maybe man. if you want to go for villains, I don't know if we want to theme it all around villains, but uh, Tommy Elliot might be pretty. good. I was gonna say that. Hush would be uh, yeah. a good Marley, sort of an e- a continuity Marley, mm-hmm. and um, he's almost got like he's got the bandages, but you could pretty much artistically extrapolate that into chains potentially very close and the bandages mm-hmm. are his chains really metaphorically yeah. obviously the ghost of uh, past would be the pearls 
Oh, I thought you were going to say Toby Elliott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Present, Toby Elliott. Future, yeah. Toby Elliott. That guy's everywhere. I love yeah. him. You ever read Hush? Yeah, it's great. Great What book. a comic arc, yeah. What, what a comic. Oh, it's fine. Um, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> fact, it's a medium, mediocre. Um, Martha's Pearls, past, talking pearls. Well, or like The Criminal, right? Uh, Joe Chill, potentially. Oh, nice. You could have that. I guess that makes sense. I blame uh, the pearls. Yes, Ghost of Christmas Present. Um, Robin. Robin? Yeah, We're really mixing sense. it up with the heroes and the villains. I kind of like keeping it with villains, potentially. You want to just do villains? Okay. Yeah. Uh, would the Joker be Christmas present or Christmas future? Uh, I think future. Maybe yeah. a hood. You do the reveal a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Some cackling. Oh, so maybe Red Hood. Not exactly a villain, but like sort of straddling the line for present. Because that's something uh, he's still dealing with. That's that could be, but I will throw out um, something I'm cribbing from that thousand Catwoman as mm. present, very present in his life can show him sort of who he is because she knows maybe best of all right now. Mm-hmm. Now, most importantly, who's Tiny Tim though? Uh, Tiny Tim. I that have a terrible answer. I that might. That. Uh, Barbara Gordon. No, oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked up. I didn't want to say it, and then not, I thought it, and then I had to say it. I'm really That's sorry. not the defining characteristic of Tiny Tim. It's, of course, how tiny he is. Mm-hmm. But Commissioner Gordon having Christmas with Barbara Gordon? I mean, that fits. It's true. I'm just it's saying. Um, it is, is Batman Scrooge? What, what are we? Bruce Wayne is the Scrooge? Yeah, I guess so. Probably because he's always working through Christmas and everything. Like, that's what you would do if that was the comic, right? Like, Alfred's like, please, sir, you'll have to celebrate Christmas. And he's like, no, there's criminals on the loose. Vengeance I have to Batman. Batman. Uh, I have gets to Batman. Knocked. I'm Batman. <laughs> I have to do Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to Batman these Batmans. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, great question, though. I like this. This is a fun yeah. one with a million different possibilities. Let's move over to YouTube. Um, ooh, this is from the big, uh, I have just a suggestion, not a question, maybe for a future reread section, you could pick Planetary or DC's Aztec or the Multiversity. Mm. Great suggestions. How strict do we want to be with, you need to leave it in the iTunes comments? Yeah, pretty strict. That's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. But those are good Copy suggestions. Paste. Copy yeah, paste. Yeah. I will say I love Planetary. That is one of my favorite books in particular. So And I'd be... let me say, I've never read Planetary. Ooh. So that would be one where we could sort of you can be the, that would be a good one. You could be the condescending one about that. <laughs> uh, this is from Jay Sinison over on Crowdcast Best Sitcom Christmas episode. Wow, extending us out, sitcom Christmas. This is not the best one. It's just the most recent one. The Ted Lasso Christmas episode was very good. Whoa. What are you saying that for? Well, that's not you. It was the first that's thing that came to mind. Um, okay, that's cool. It's not the best one. It's just the f- first one I thought about recently. My This is also not a sitcom episode, so a bad answer. But I love the Christmas episode of My So-Called Life. I don't know if you ever saw that. Wow, it's deep cut. great. It is yeah. so good and it's just destroyed me the first time I saw it. That was a great show. So good. Uh, I'm trying to think of one. This is not a sitcom, but I was the TV show Ed. 
Did mm-hmm. you ever watch that show? Oh yeah, with, uh, Ju- Julie Bowen's first TV show um, that David Letterman produced. They had a really good Christmas episode. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Community. Jillian says Community had some good ones. The one uh, with uh, Alison Brie singing "Santa Baby" or whatever it was is so funny and so good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, what are sitcoms? Hmm. Half hour comedies, you say? Okay. This is uh, speaking of comedies. Actually, this is from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Says, "Are you guys fans of Always Sunny? I'm a big fan and enjoying the new 15th season. Are you surprised by longevity and out of you two and Pete? Who is Dennis, Charlie, and Mac? Ooh. Do you watch It's Always Sunny? Uh, in bits and pieces. I've never sat down and just like. Oh done. really? Yeah. It's one of those shows. First of all, it's shockingly only gotten stronger over time, which is so good, insane, and taking um, wild risks. Like the yeah. episode from last season or the season before, where it was just like a big, long, like very artistic dance. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> like, my god, that I was episode like, was this amazing. Is, this is beautiful. That episode was amazing. The musical that they did about racism was incredible and hilarious. Uh, show is so great. I love that show, and I have kept up with it. This season is very funny and very ridiculous. They've been, like, grappling with a lot of the stuff that they did wrong in their past. Uh, They did a couple of episodes where they did sequels to Lethal Weapon, and Mac was the Danny Glover character, uh, so he was wearing blackface in them. They pulled those from streaming as of last summer when everybody was pulling stuff from streaming. They did it voluntarily, and they were actually very proactive, if I remember correctly, being one of the first ones, being like, Oh, yeah, we should not have done this. So they had a whole episode (laughs) where they talk about how the VHSs they had of Lethal Weapon 6 and 7 have been pulled from the library. And they're like, what do we do about that? And they're like, well, obviously, we should make Lethal Weapon 8. And so the entire episode is them trying to be as politically correct about it as possible and not make the mistakes of past. And it's very meta and very funny. Um, That's a great show. I really like it. But that said, let's get to the second part. Uh, including Pete, who's Dennis, who's Charlie, and who's Mac. You, you're you the more dedicated viewer. What do you say? I mean, I think Pete's Charlie. Okay. That's, that tracks. Yeah. You're not exactly Mac, but I'm only saying you're Mac because I'm probably Dennis. <laughs> you seem I resigned to Dennis. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. Oh, yeah. Edward Darty <laughs> says Pete is more rickety cricket. That's not a bad call. That's pretty good. Uh, all right. This is very niche niche content. Let's move on. Uh, Nat Towson says, what are the must-read trades in the last year or so? Things you would buy for someone who likes comics but doesn't keep up. Great question, Nat. And in fact, at the end of the year, we'll be counting down our must-read trades of the year, ones yes. that you might have missed. So if you got any nominations for that, we have a tweet up on at comic book live all we have tweet. a tweet we have a tweet if you can believe it i had to talk There's to the rest of the staff that. and be like hey guys we gotta put up a tweet how do we how do we do this um and let me say nat definitely keep asking this question every week and we will keep pushing you to the, the go to this podcast that we will record that will tell you what the the traits <laughs> uh, that's a great relationship that we have <laughs> But uh, we are going to do that. We're going to be doing two best of uh, podcasts. Our last live show of the year on December 28th, I believe. Uh, We're going to do the best comics of the year. Would love to hear from you all. Hit us up on Twitter with your nominations so we can flesh out our list and make them a little more 
robust, so to speak. And then same thing, the Stack podcast that week beyond the comic book reviews will be best trades of the year that you might have missed um, because uh, there you go. All right, this is from Kevin. Other than Etrigan, which comic character would be the best poet? Ooh. The best poet. I mean, poet, very observant. Um, so I guess probably um, The Watcher. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of inspiration. Yeah. He, he has a lot of access to truth. He's not the writer, though. He just looks at stuff. So he needs a writer next to him? Yeah. I feel like Wolverine probably has a lot of crappy poetry hidden yeah. away somewhere. <laughs> like in a, he's written it down. Yeah, he's written it down, but he's never shown it to anybody. These, Gene... uh, these hard bones <laughs> could seal the softest heart. Gene... <laughs> Hair so red, so pretty. <laughs> but is my heart covered with adamantium? <laughs> I say no. Is bones. Um, all right, let's go over to YouTube. This is from Stanley. Any thoughts on the new Spider Man movie? Well, uh, here we go. You know what? You've already. This is you can't spoil this. I'm you're not going to. I want to spoil, spoil, but go ahead. <laughs> I I was. Are, what are you? T- what are spoilers? Like, what are the parameters here? Because I did see the movie last night. I don't even mind spoilers. I'm just saying this question. You're sure you the way you read it. You were like, yeah. But, uh, any thoughts about Spider Man? Huh. Okay. <laughs> well, I. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Just very. No, I really do want to talk about it because uh, the the thing that I will say without mentioning any. He's not going to spoil anything, but I think this is important to hear because a lot of people are very worried about the movie. And I think what you're going to say is nice. Yes. I was pleasantly surprised and really liked it. It's great. Yes. It's great news. Uh, The I will spoil absolutely no details because I think you really should see it in the theater the main thing that I was mainly worried about is like, we all know there's a lot of stuff in the movie. (laughs) They've had a lot of villains on the poster and there's the multiverse stuff. We know Dr. Strange is in it going in. I was like, uh, there's going to be, there's going to be too much happening. But the thing that really worked about it is they really kept it focused on Tom Holland, Spider-Man pretty much the entire time. And that was the main thing that I wanted out of it. That made me really happy. It was mostly about his emotional journey. There's a lot of great, fun, fan service stuff throughout it. Um, but again, without getting into any spoilers, I was really, really pleasantly surprised. There Is you. there a way home? Um, that's spoiler. I'm sorry. Well, okay. There you go. I would recommend, though, because as of uh, as of earlier today at 1.30 in the morning, the embargo broke. Uh, when I was coming out of the theater... There were two guys behind me who were talking while we were waiting in line to get our phones back because I don't know if people know this. When you go into press screenings, they take your phones as if, like, I'm going to sit there videotaping the entire thing. But these two guys behind me were like, so the embargo's up at 1.30 a.m. Does that mean I can talk about everything? And the other guy was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, technically, yes, but also don't. Don't be a jerk about it. Do you ever swap phones with any other um, reporters? I just grabbed like... a bunch of phones that I run. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, these guys are, are being jerks about uh, the movie, so I stole a bunch of phones. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's just my point in bringing that up is I realized even like yesterday afternoon, and I knew this was going to happen anyway, like people are going to be such jerks on the internet over the next week. Like if you have plans to see it Thursday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday, mind you, just mute as much as you possibly can. But by next week, Marvel's going to be spoiling stuff anyway on their social accounts. So go see it as soon as you can if you're worried about spoilers. Otherwise... You're going to get spoiled and just try to enjoy the ride as much as you can. And I don't mind spoilers too much. I am seeing the movie on Friday uh, to to really go do it. Um, but I do think this is like in a time when movies aren't big like they used to be. It's like there are only a few bangers like this. And this yeah. is going to be huge. So people are obviously very wound up. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think... You're, yes, you're absolutely right. I didn't really have anything to add to that other than, like, this is a very different case. I was, we were talking, um, I think I was talking to Cody on our Patreon Slack a little bit today, where he was asking, is it like, I managed to avoid uh, spoilers for Eternals. Even that, totally different case. Like, not even talking yeah. about the content of the movie, just the level of excitement and the level of interest for the Spider-Man movie is so through the roof. Like, I am bursting at the seams right now because I'd love to talk about all this stuff. Wait a minute, but I can tell you're out, of your, you're out of your head right now. I'm going out of you're my gourd, cra- man. You're crazy right now. You're out of <laughs> control. Uh, also, I would almost dare you to spoil Eternals. If you had to spoil <laughs> Eternals, what would you even say? <laughs> uh, well, they live a very long time. Yep, good. Their That's ship good. is a That's triangle. Good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> What a great, great tweet. Their ship is a triangle. Can you? What? How dare you? Uh, All right. Here we got another question from Nat. I think we can actually answer this one. What are some great holiday issues of comics? This usually means Christmas, but hit me up with that scarce Hanukkah representation, too. Hmm. I feel like I just read a Hanukkah story somewhere in a collection. I don't. I feel like, was it Moon Knight celebrating Hanukkah? I think most of the holiday specials do have, um, I mean, one Hanukkah story. (laughs) It's uh, Ragman that's often featured. I know what I was thinking of. It was the Archie Comics holiday special that we reviewed that had Jughead going on to a latke eating contest. contest. Uh, I mentioned this in the review. They ignored Dilton, who is, I believe, the only canonically Jewish Archie Comics character in there. But at the same time, it was a very fun special and I enjoyed reading it. It was fun. And that section was sort of like, how could we incorporate this? Uh, there's like a booth, a Latka booth with like, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. This is, this is Hanukkah, I think. I mean, yeah. there's some great, are you talking about stories of the past as well? I mean, there's some good yeah. uh, Ben Grimm. Uh, there's at least one Hanukkah story, I think. With ben Grimm. One that I was reminded of recently, and I think it was when. I was looking back through our archives of shows, actually, but the King in Black Immortal Hulk story, do you remember this? It was a one-shot set during King in Black involving the Immortal Hulk, obviously, but it's a nearly silent issue where I think it's Santa Claus gets taken over by a Venom symbiote. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was awesome. It was so good. So that's yeah. one that, like, even if you don't remember any of that stuff, any of those, you know, the King of Black crossover at all, that's worth checking out because I remember having a blast reading that one. It was a weird one, yeah, but yeah. but fun. 
Very cool stuff. Um, all right, let's go to this next question from Jolene. I want to get into the Legion of Superheroes in the new year. Where should I start? Uh, this is uh, maybe not everyone's favorite answer, but the thing that I first started reading Legion was with Legionnaires, the run in the sort of mid-90s, and I love it. It's great. It's really like they're all teens. They are like the characters are really find i want to say it's mark wade who's the, the writer of that oh so, yeah that's maybe i was actually going to call out the 2004 mark wade run with barry kitson on legion of superheroes oh that's a good one but is that a different run than what you're talking about yes it is a different run and maybe it's not mark wade i was confusing okay uh, that but it's uh the the dotsons do the art in the run i'm talking about it's so good yeah, the Mark Wade Barry Kitson run was actually the first one that I read, so I'm probably a little biased there, but that is very much about them being teenagers fighting against adults in the future. And like with the best yeah. Mark Wade comics, it just really drives into that idea. Plus, you got Barry Kitson at the height of his game on art, and it's so good. There's like two volumes there, too, so it's pretty readable and understandable. Um, I think that's great. Uh, Jolene says, so "Oh, this put... this was Mark Wade actually. Oh, was um, it? And it was it was spinning out of um, Zero Hour. And, okay, uh, uh, it's truly my favorite." Uh, Jolene says, "So my main point of contention is their first comic or their first appearance." Um, I don't think you need to go back that long. The, there are characters in particular that the continuity is constantly rebooted. So, like, you could jump around and read stuff, and you'll be fine wherever. Uh, Kevin mentions the Great Darkness saga. That's considered one of the best storylines of all time. So probably a good one to check out, particularly because they're looping back to it now in DC, current DC continuity. Um, but there you go. Uh, it's the the writers are actually, Mark Way just did the issue zero, uh, the Beer Bombs, uh, Mary and Tom Beer Bomb, pencils by Chris Sprouse. Hmm. Uh, this is from Jonathan McCool. Are there any books in particular that you have discovered issue one on a whim and wound up enjoying the entire run from start to finish? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, that was every comic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I wasn't consuming a lot of comic book media because it didn't exist. So it was like a random uh, discoveries all the time, like Legionnaires comics, like, uh, Bone or um, Starman was a random discovery. Uh, but more recently, um, The Me You Love in the Dark, The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, uh, definitely comics that I was like, just sort of started reading. Stray Dogs, Derek Mainhart in the comments, mm-hmm. like, yes, that was huge. Uh, Homesick Pilots, I think is a good one to call out too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we're doing the stack, I'll usually try to throw in basically anything that has a number one just to at least give it a shot. Um, from Image Comics, DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, uh, Boom Studios. So we certainly check out a lot of stuff. And I think, like, generally, my MO with with these things is if two out of the three of us at least find it really interesting, it's worth, even if we don't love it, it's worth checking out the second issue, see how that pans out. So there's certainly, because we're reading a lot of comics for the stack, I think we discover a lot of books that way. Yeah, and I I think... There's so many like 
good com- most comics i feel like we're we're not haters like most comics there's they're good pieces to it uh, i mm-hmm. think it's very rare where we're like whoof this was just such a miss um so i think even over the years i'm trying to think back to some other number ones we sort of chanced upon that became i mean comics like lock and key i think mm-hmm. we just discovered that before it was a hit and then it became like such a big thing for us and then for everybody yeah um no this is from uh, nelson over on youtube i just recently got both dc and marvel's encyclopedias which would you guys think is more interesting overall to look through first Ooh, great question um i feel like the dc encyclopedia is a great reference i feel like there's so many things and bits of information to look at and the marvel one is more of a story mm-hmm. um because I think even their his the history of the Marvel universe has a little bit more of a arc to it and a narrative. Yeah, I'd agree. DC has been going on longer, so I think depending on how much ground it covers, that might be the one that I'd start with first too. We got one last question here. This is from Jolene. Y'all watch Bebo Saves Christmas yet? I have you. Do you even know what that is, Justin? Uh, that's an animated um, movie, yes. I believe, right? And I haven't watched it yet. No. Okay, it's great. So to give anybody who hasn't checked it out, it's such a weird idea. There's this character in Legends of Tomorrow, which is like a very Teddy Ruxpin style doll, except blue, called Bebo, who in one of the episodes gets flung back in time, I think to Viking times, and they see him and start worshiping him as a war god. But all he says is, my name is Bebo. I la la love you. And that's it. So that's the whole joke. It's very goofy. It's very funny. Uh, but it's become a running joke on the show over time. They've brought Bebo back a bunch of times in different iterations. And the original idea was that Bebo was the hottest toy one year for one of the characters and they never got to get it, which is kind of the emotional crux there. So this year they did a one hour long animated special called Bebo Saves Christmas, which was the animated special in world of Legends of Tomorrow that they would have made that toy out of. Mm. So none of the legends are in it. It, There's like a couple of like one or two little Easter eggs and things, but it's straight up an animated musical holiday special that's really good and really funny and you never have had to watch any of the Arrowverse shows or Legends of Tomorrow. That is weird. It's very weird. And as Kevin mentions, Ernie Hudson plays Santa and he's great. Uh, Victor Garber, who is on Legends of Tomorrow, plays the narrator, so he provides a little narration at the beginning of the end. But if if you haven't checked it out, it's legitimately like, there's catchy songs, it's very funny, it has a really very different message than other holiday specials that I've seen, mm. um, a more modern one. So I think that's probably on the CW app and their website and whatever right now. So if it flew under the radar for you, even if you've never seen any of the Arrowverse shows, just check it out. And if you don't watch the Arrowverse shows, I bet it's underneath the old radar. <laughs> <laughs> that just... feels like maybe the most under the radar thing. The fact that it took you a solid 
two minutes to explain <laughs> even the initial. I don't know why they did this. Arrived. I have no idea why they made this special. Like it and makes like, no I, sense. I think it was such cool. a niche thing. In but... a world of so much content, the fact that we can get something that isn't trying to be like, and then we get new viewers that way. Like I appreciate that. Uh, it's just very funny. No, this is this is. I watched this thing and I was like, "Who? Well, this is definitely for me. I don't know who else this is for, but I'm enjoying it." Honestly, your description of it was like hearing someone describe a dream they had. One hundred percent is. I I actually for work I interviewed the guy who created it. And I read this by him, and I think he agreed with it. I don't know if you remember the Chris Evans tweet about the Lightyear movie, the Buzz Lightyear movie. Yes. Where he was like, and to be clear, this is about the real man Buzz Lightyear yes. that the toy was based on. Like this very serious tweet. This is the same sort of thing where it's like, uh, none of this makes any sense. Why Why yeah. are you doing this? But To say this is about the real man Buzz Lightyear is like, oh, man, you're missing all of this. You're missing the point <laughs> of it. everything. Yes. All right, and that is it for your audience questions. Uh, folks, it's time for trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Justin Tyler. Uh-oh, this was uh, me filling in for Pete in a hastily planned trivia situation. Not yes. like Pete's very deeply researched trivia situations. So uh, now, need... I'll mention... We we do not have somebody signed up this week, and Nat put his hand up very quickly first. You all right with bringing Nat in here? Uh, first hand up guy? Nat yeah. Townsend? Yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's give him a try. Right. Let's see what happens. It's a let's safe see. space. Is this a safe space for him? <laughs> Maybe he's boiling some Christmas gloves this time. Yeah, exactly. For some Santa, some little elfin gloves <laughs> for a tiny little uh, appetizer. And we should mention before Nat gets on. Oh, hey, here's Nat. Hello. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. oh, boy, it's Nat Man. Nat in his Nat Earl state uh, in I a Batman cardboard mask. Honestly, that looked like some sort of uh, image you were putting digitally over your face briefly. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this guy's in deep. No, I think I got this at New York Comic Con two years ago and didn't throw it away in heavy air quotes in case I needed it. Hey. Mm, and you well, know what? I was right. All on you. It fits you well. You look like a real Batman. Mm-hmm. So, Nat, before I, I turn like it back over to Justin, I'll mention you're playing for two things today. The first yeah. thing is Midtown $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. The second thing is for a $50 gift code to Peggy Lee's store, PeggyLee.com which you can spend on any number of goods, probably make a absolutely fantastic holiday present. Ooh! Matt, uh... you chose just the right time to encounter the true star of trivia, <laughs> Justin Tyler in trivia. Take it away, Here Justin. Here we go. In Justin Tyler's trivia. <laughs> in Justin Tyler's famed segment, regular trivia. Now, this section, the topic, as always, is topical comic booze. So topical comic booze is what we're covering here. Um, Are you ready? The question will be multiple choice. And um, I'm going to be upfront about it. Pete never wants to be. But the third answer in each of these questions will be um, uh, relates to a a, a film or movie or a, a TV show or movie. So, does it have anything to do with a uh, recently deceased celebrity? That's one part that I've left by the wayside. Really? (laughs) All right. 
I, I haven't done. Well, I feel that the segment is confusingly morose in an otherwise lighthearted <laughs> comedy talk show about comic books, or will I just not have that conflict of emotion? Well, that's sort of what I'm, I'm just trying something out. I'm auditioning the idea of not calling out the recently dead for mm. this section. So um, that's just something as a, as a, as a tryout. Um, okay, I'll try this new experience. All right, uh, I'm just going to look up recently dead celebrities and see if we're yeah. missing anybody that we should be cool. we paying tribute to. But go ahead, go ahead. And quick question, uh, Justin, do you, do you like trivia? I uh, love trivia. And <laughs> you'll love me! <laughs> Great. Question number one. In 2015, Deadpool sipped on this holiday soup drink as he announced the 12 Days of Deadpool trailer countdown. Is it A, eggnog? Is it B, pancake batter with bourbon in it, also known as eggnog? Or is it C, Mr. T? Well, think about it, Batman. Two answers are pretty similar. Yeah. But I'm going to go with B for Batman. (laughs) That is correct. B for Batman is correct. Uh, Excellent. Pancake batter with bourbon in it is what eggnog is. So please enjoy that. Uh, throughout the holiday season. Alex, do you have a death you want to mention? Hmm. You would set back from No, I was looking it up briefly, and then it was making me too sad, so I didn't want to look into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even the thought of it is sad. It's terrible. Yeah, one would argue that this isn't the place for expressing grief, but... Eh. <laughs> <laughs> if we can't do it here during trivia on our comic book podcast, where can we do it? Well, you know I'm driven by vengeance, but for the listening audience, mm-hmm. I feel like it could be yes. something confusing vengeance and a 50 dollars gift card to a jewelry store is what drives this batman question number two what does three dollars <laughs> what does heath houston drink in rick remender's great comic fear agent is it a jim beam is it b slim jim beam which is jerky infused bourbon or is it c pete lepage god i hope it's a <laughs> Tell me that B doesn't exist, even in a B doesn't exist yet, but someone will be infusing uh, anytime. And of course, question number three. This is a great question for when you encounter Pete in the wild. Pete LePage in the wild. What is Pete's classic bar order when he is out on the town? Is it A, Mountain Dew and whatever bottle the blindfolded bartender grabs with his or her hand? B, Vodka Sodi. Or C, Mr. T. You know, I'm thinking of a, a, a another a sweaty or freezing night at Pioneer's Bar, and I can just hear Pete's voice ringing in my ears over the sound of Langston screaming at me about the X-Men. And it's I think it's a vodka soda. It's a vodka soda. It's Pete's wow. favorite drink again. Whenever we order a beer, he says, vodka soda for me. That's a little window into Pete LePage. Now, as I stated up front, the um, C letters uh, answers um, uh, correspond to a project out in the air. And uh, just to name them again, uh, Kevin often guesses this. He's guessed Rocky Theory. That is incorrect. Um, it is Mr. T, Pete okay. Page, and Mr. T. Any mm-hmm. guesses out there? And this is a project that's currently like that, that uh, these that folks are has in. existed, that has existed in the world. Well, I'm going to say it is a kind of a a fantasy that Pete has had. Uh, One of the answers to the comments here is Mr. T sandwich, which ties into what Nat is saying over here. Uh, (laughs) That's what Mr. T orders for dinner, to be clear. The answer is, I pity the fool 
the TV series that aired on um, that was a reality show that Pete LePage was the footage logger for. Wow. <laughs> Something wow. he's never told us. He worked on a show with Mr. T. We talk about <laughs> Mr. T. Oh, he brings up Mr. T all the time. And he Wait, worked what? on the show. It's crazy. How just while he's not here, is Pete like older than he's admitting or something? Every so often he pulls out like an era of his life that I've never heard he's of. He's 76. Every so often. Every, Dude, yes. We can mention that, right? No, no, every week. He's 76 years old. Like, he had like a house fire at one point or like there was like a whole like early on in quarantine, he came out with some stories that I was uh, had not Pete, is, Pete is an onion. Every time we talk to him or I Googled Pete to write this trivia quiz, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> TV show he worked on. And he's just got secrets on secrets. He's a human onion. Mm. I can't believe uh, that he never brought this up. Real quick, speaking of human onions, uh, there is no Slim Jim jerky, but there is Jim Beam brand barbecue beef jerky. I just looked that up. Just Okay, yeah. Uh, smart marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and I can tell you without Googling it that there's like, Bacon-infused whiskey, unfortunately. Absolutely. There's like a honey maple bacon whiskey. I, I Google those phrases and you'll find, I, I promise, I'm 100% certain Yeah, that we're, we're all going to drink that for Christmas. Listen, I have some bacon infusing and some whiskey upstairs right now, so I'm good to go there. I believe that. Nat, congratulations. You've won $25 to Midtown Comics and $50 to Peggy's gift store. I will get that stuff off to you and... Uh, stay safe out there, all right? There's a lot of criminals on the loose. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bye, Nat Man. Great to see you. All right. That is trivia. And now, before we wrap up here, let's talk about what is coming out this week, comic book-wise. Lots of stuff on the stands. Lots of exciting stuff. Justin, what are you most excited about that's coming out tomorrow? Or that this week in general? This week in general, because DC Comics, as we know, have already... Uh, come out mm -hmm. and now comiXology comics are coming out on tuesdays as well so it's all it's shifting world's changing man the world's changing man um i'm gonna a lot of a lot of fun stuff coming out i'm gonna shout out a comic there's a lot of jeff lemire comic books coming out if i may say specifically i'm gonna shout out robin and batman number two by jeff lemire for dc comics um ours by dustin Nguyen, and it's great um just a great robin story with a great fun um, a few great fun twists and turns throughout. I really enjoyed this book. Yeah, the, like you mentioned, lots of great Jeff Lemire stuff coming out, so I won't call out any of that. But I will call out Hulk number two by Danny Cates, art by Ryan Otley, which has been such a weird, totally different take from Immortal yeah. Hulk. Very excited to check that out and read that. And both of those are going to be in our Stack podcast, which comes in the Comic Book Club feed and also in its own dedicated Stack feed at 9 a.m. on Wednesdays. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Yeah! A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Jared Belloff for coming on, talking about Marvelous Versus. Be sure to check that out on Amazon.com. Uh, Peggy Lee, jewelry designer. Check her out at PeggyLee.com. All of her amazing stuff there. Next week... We are going to have Victoria Grace Elliott from Yummy, A History of Desserts is going to be here. So maybe not another high end, but we're definitely going to be talking about cooking. Well, I love you're like, we, we talk about food a lot in the Slack, but now we also talk about comics. And then you're like, next up, we have a lot of food stuff to talk about. <laughs> uh, 
But we do have other non-food-related podcasts. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, is rolling out on Wednesdays talking about Hawkeye, Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast Tuesdays wrapping up for the mid-season tonight before it comes back in March, so check that out. Patreon.com slash comic book club for this podcast and many more to support all of them. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. Don't forget to leave us a question or review recommendation in the iTunes reviews. That's where we're checking up on those. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, hit us up there also to let us know your best of the year and trades that we might have missed. Love to hear some feedback for those shows. Comic Book Club Live on Instagram. Comic Book Club Live Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night, guys. Shout out to Aaron, who's coming again this year to the Charlie Brown Christmas Live, a show I do every year. We're back in Brooklyn. If you're in the area, come out. It's this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.